You're listening to Quick and Dirty History, the show about American history on the go. This episode of Quick and Dirty History is brought to you by the efforts to replace Andrew Jackson with Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. A great move for America, but a tragedy for my counterfeiting business. So, let's start a war. The War of 1812. Our country, may she always be right, but our country, right or wrong. Stephen Decatur. The War of 1812 is one of the least studied wars in American history, sometimes referred to as the Second War of Independence. The War of 1812 was the first large-scale test of the American Republic on the world stage. But first, pirates! Over the first decade of the 19th century, the American merchant marine had grown to be huge. Since the Louisiana Purchase and the Lewis and Clark Expedition, expansion was bringing Americans closer in contact with people from other nations, which had already established settlements in the West. Around the world, shipping had become a huge part of American commerce. American merchants were engaged in trade all over the world. And you know who can't get enough of American commerce, or scurvy, pirates. In the early 1800s, the United States went to war with Tripoli on the North African coast. The war was a result of repeated attacks on American merchant ships by African pirates. Tripoli captured the USS Philadelphia after it ran aground on a reef. The ship's captain and all the crew were taken hostage, and the Philadelphia was turned against the Americans, guns blazing. Captain Stephen Decatur led U.S. Marines and overpowered the Tripoli pirates. Then, they set fire to the Philadelphia so the gunship would be useless. Then, U.S. Marines marched across the desert from Alexandria, Egypt, to capture the Tripoli city of Derna. This was the very first time that the United States flag was raised in victory on foreign soil. You may have heard it in the Marine Hymn. While the conflict with Tripoli and the pirates did end, it's important because it shows how hard it was for the United States to stay out of foreign affairs while its citizens participated so heavily in overseas trade. In the meantime, Great Britain's enemy Napoleon was the pimp daddy of Europe, and France pretty much ran the continent, keeping England at bay for the most part. Great Britain still held on to their immense trade and commerce avenues through their navy, and France wanted to choke Britain's shipping through blockades. Both Britain and France took measures to blockade other nations' shipping and trade routes, as well as impose such blockades upon each other's allies. So, as an ally of France, the little United States found itself in the midst of a big trade predicament. France designated ships that had visited British ports as enemy vessels. Great Britain responded by requiring all shipping vessels that had traded with the French to obtain licenses at English ports. 
In turn, France decided that they could capture any shipping vessel which had been willing to work with Britain. So, stuck in the middle is the United States, and Great Britain didn't want America to provide their enemies with food or supplies. American shipping vessels that complied with the British would be captured by the French, and if they obeyed the French, they could be captured by the Royal British Navy. The United States, of course, viewed the restrictions on American shipping as a violation of international trade law, which targeted America's quickly growing economy. To add insult to injury was the practice of impressment. It sounds much more impressive than it is. Citizenship was kind of a loose term at the time. Thousands of British sailors actually worked on American shipping vessels because you've got to make a buck somewhere. Citizenship papers were often forged, and many British sailors got American tattoos to show how American they were. British or not, it's estimated that between 1803 and 1812, the British impressed between 6 and 15,000 American sailors. By impressed, I mean that the British would show up and just capture American sailors and say, hey, now you work for us. Thomas Jefferson was very close to declaring war, but instead asked Congress to pass legislation to stop all foreign trade. Peaceful coercion, as the president described, would prevent bloodshed. Stopping foreign trade ended up being more harmful to the United States than to Britain or the French. American farmers and merchants were especially hard hit. Southern and Western farmers lost markets for their grain, cotton, and tobacco. The trade snafu became a major issue in the election of 1808, which James Madison won. James Madison's solution was a law that allowed merchants to trade with every country except France or Britain, a law that most shippers blew off. After all, they didn't have that much of a choice. France and Britain were like the two best nations to trade anything with. While anger mounted about trade, in the Northwest, Great Britain was attempting to stir up Native American resistance to frontier settlements. Once again, Native Americans are the most harmed in this struggle. Native American land was continually ripped from under their feet by white settlers, and the British were treating Native Americans as a pawn in their game against the Americans. By continually pitting Native Americans against the United States, Great Britain was able to cause more fury among citizens of the young U.S. So, there's a lot going on. We've got a new president. American shipping lines are being interfered with left and right. American citizens are being forced into the British Navy. The British had not yet come to respect the United States as a legitimate country in the first place. France isn't really going out of their way to help the United States at all. And the most heart-wrenching factor of all, the treatment of Native Americans. All of the above was enough to ignite a tinderbox. The tinderbox that would become the War of 1812. <laughs>